And welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, sponsored by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. Today's topic will be alternative and traditional funding sources that small businesses may not be aware of. I'd like to introduce our host and business consulting expert, the CEO and founder of Sterling Rose Consulting Corp., and longtime serial entrepreneur, Vlad Roos. Thank you, Trey. Today we're going to go into a little bit about alternative funding and traditional funding sources. And really what we're going to want to talk about and have some great guests with me today is the need for companies to have money, whether they're expanding and they need additional money for payroll to hire and train employees. They might want to be purchasing equipment, uh, purchasing real estate, moving into a bigger office, maybe they need a warehouse. Also, working capital for to, to finance the business expan- expansion as well as purchasing more inventory. If you're opening up a retail store, you need to put your inventory in there, and that tends to be a large item purchase that you might not have the cash to do. Some of the funding sources out there, kind of in general, obviously, a company can seek equity investment, whether it be Angel, Series A, B, um, different sorts of equity where they sell a portion of their company. Um, instead of buying equipment, they can decide to lease it where they're paying a monthly leasing fee on it and, and not owning the equipment. They can get a loan from a bank um, or other lending institutions. Um, they can also sell their accounts receivable or expect payment upfront for the customers if that's an option for them. Um, grants for some companies that are an option and also um, they can use their accounts payable contracts where if they only need to pay their vendors in 90 days they can use some of that money in, in the meantime for working capital. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today. Uh, first guest is Tom Bruguette. He's the vice president of Rosemont Capital Solutions. Tom began his uh, lending career in 1993 with Transmedia Network, a company which was a pioneer in the advanced purchase of, of future sales and receivables. Transmedia eventually became what is known today as Rewards Network and whose target audience was and is primarily independent restaurant owners. In his time at Rewards Network, Tom led a sales team of close to 100 people and those teams contracted with over 1,000 thousands of restaurants and facilitated millions of dollars in financing transactions. After a three-year stint uh, lending, leading a sales team calling on Fortune 500 companies with the Apollo Education Group, Tom went back to his small business roots. As a former operating partner in the restaurant industry, Tom's entrepreneurial spirit and passion for helping small business owners be successful brought him back to what he knows and loves best. He's partnered with his former colleagues at Pioneer Capital Group and founded Rosemont Capital in 2014. Our next guest um, is uh, Kevin and Chris Williams. And Kevin is the CEO of Executive Advantage, and uh, which is a, has a master's license with personal business advisors. His experience crosses the globe, working with some of the largest retailers, federal government, to the smallest mom and pop locations. He has worked with professional sports teams, indie racing, and other high-profile institutions while working for a number one branded company. He has also served as president of a German company in Mexico and has extensive experience in marketing, service, and operational management. 
and, and Chris is the Chief Operating Officer of Executive Advantage, who's also a seminary student with a great deal of experience in marketing, business operations, and real estate. Uh, Personal Business Advisors is based out of Texas and is a 13-year-old company conducting business both domestically and internationally. PBA works with executives that are ready to move from the corporate world into entrepreneurship. Other facets of the company include working with franchises to grow their base through hundreds of PBA senior advisors. Uh, the most popular aspect of his company is working with startup entities to find funding and executive support f- for desired growth. Uh, and our last guest, uh, but not least, Thomas Rockwood, currently with, uh, as, works as a business development officer for Brand's Brand Bank's Government Guaranteed Lending Division out of Buckhead, Georgia. He's a results-driven uh, banking executive with over 12 years of experience in banking and finance. His focus is on helping businesses thrive and grow by giving them access to capital through government loan programs from the Small Business Administration or Department of Agriculture. He excels at helping businesses develop and execute vital growth strategies, helping businesses increase monthly cash flow and expand their businesses. Thomas's focus is to help businesses, business owners take advantage of incentives and participate in government loan programs for which they are eligible. These are programs and or incentives for veteran-owned as well. Additionally, there are programs for companies that export goods f- to foreign countries, for companies that manufacture in the U.S., and for companies that are implementing green, environmentally friendly strategies for their business to reduce energy consumption or reduce renewable energy. Taking advantage of these programs helps businesses hold on to more of their cash and in some cases get extended repayment terms compared to non-government guaranteed loans. First, I'd like to focus on the alternative lending side, and then we're going to go and, and talk a, lot, a little bit more about traditional and, and equity. Um, I want to start by opening up a question first to Tom about what are the benefits of alternative lending as compared to traditional lending? Thanks, Vlad. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, there are a lot of advantages, uh, the, the m- main one of which is, is speed to funding. Um, most of the, the companies that we work with, are tradi- they're small business owners and they don't fit into the box that traditional lenders offer. Um, we all know that banks are heavily regulated and uh, their box is very well defined. So whether the business uh, is too new, uh, their credit may not be good enough, or their collateral may not be strong enough, they just don't fit into the box. The, the SBA uh, says of the 28 million small businesses in the United States that the number one reason they fail is they lack capital. And I'm, I'm not here to say that alternative lending will replace traditional lending, we are simply expanding the desirable customer base. Um, Traditional lending offers lower rates, better terms, uh, but for the majority of small business owners, uh, they just don't fit in the box. And and our box comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Uh, It could be the lenders work with various industries and a wide range of credit scores. So I would say, you know, speed of speed of financing and when you don't fit into the box alternative lending is a is a great alternative for a, a business well thanks and now i'm going to go to thomas and uh talk a little bit about the benefits of traditional lending versus alternative or 
uh, just in general, the benefits of traditional lending. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on the show, and I appreciate it. Um, there's, I would say the, the SBA and the USDA offer kind of a, a lot of different programs and incentives, and those would be the, the, the reasons why someone would want to go down that route. Um, it's a pretty well-defined box. Um, banks that participate in these loan programs, they all comply with these same regulations. And, and, and so from a borrower's perspective, when you go and you, you request for funding from a bank that's participating, you have some of the security that says, okay, this is going to be a conforming loan to the federal guidelines. Uh, it's going to fit this box. Uh, and, and it's going to provide me the, the benefits that it's going to do. Acquire real estate, minimal capital injection, uh, increase monthly cash flow, those sorts of things. And so that's, that's why people come to and seek out funding uh, from the SBA or from a, a USDA facility. Um, there's two components really to, I would say, that, that loan request. And that's, does it, is it eligible? Does it fit the guideline for, for the program? And then two, does that bank who's going to participate have a big appetite for, for that industry? And so between bank appetite, you know, is this the type of project that this bank likes to do? And is it eligible are really the, the, the driving forces behind uh, a business getting the funding that they're looking for. And I know a lot of businesses sometimes get discouraged because they go to one bank and they get a no and they kind of stop and they're like, well, maybe my idea is not good enough or uh, they don't get, a lot of times they don't get constructive criticism back either. Um, so what would you be your recommendation as far as, um, I know a lot of times I recommend that they go and, and look at different funding options, even within an SBA loan, um, just because it might not be in that bank's appetite. They might still be eligible, but now might be that bank might not have an appetite for that kind of business. So they need to find same thing with investment. You need to find the right investor for your business. You, a lot of times you need to find the right bank for your business as well. Uh, next question, we're going to go to Kevin and Chris. And can you help us understand a little bit more about what you guys do to help establish small companies or help small companies that are looking for large sums of money or maybe not such large sums of money to help them grow, expand their business? Sure. Thank you, Vlad, for the question, and thank you for having us today. We really appreciate that. Uh, within Personal Business Advisors, uh, we help uh, small companies get launched by bringing a very unique position to the marketplace that uh, is really not heard of quite uh, in, a, in a large way. And what we do is we go out and we find C-level uh, talent for companies that also um, bring cash to the table to support that business model. And that cash can run you from a small amount to a large amount, depending on the opportunity within those businesses. And, you know, with personal business advisors and uh, working with Sterling Rose, we just had a classic example of a, a company that uh, was looking at VC, which is obviously one option to go to with venture capitalists. And a lot of times they're looking for the right level of support. They want the right management team on board. They want the right base set up. And that's where we really kind of come in and, and put the foundation down by bringing the right talent to the table to support the business and get it up and running. And then they can get started. Then the VC is probably more, uh, they're more likely to invest in the company. And that's where, you know, we come to the table is we can bring a couple hundred thousand uh, into the millions, depending on exactly what it is that the company's looking for. Thank you. And um, the next, we're going to go back to Tom, because um, I'm sure some of the listeners might have a, this question and 
um, what is the typical size that of, of a company that you typically work with? Well, it varies, but uh, the typical size, uh, again, it's the small to medium-sized business owner, um, anywhere from five to 100 employees, the sweet spot being probably right around uh, 25, 50 employees, and revenues anywhere from um, 100000 to a $1 million. Um, we do uh, work with companies that have significant, uh, revenue uh, significantly higher than that, um, but the sweet spot is pretty much what I what I just mentioned. Um, mainly because the 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 majority of small business owners, somewhere around fifty percent, are looking for just a small a capital investment of around fifty thousand dollars. And for most banks, fifty thousand dollars just um, it's not worth it for them. Um, it the, the, and Thomas will correct me on this if I'm wrong, but the paperwork for a $50,000 loan and a million-dollar loan looks a lot alike. Um, <laughs> ours is, ours is, uh, looks a lot alike the same, uh, but it's the speed and the time in which you can, you can get it. And are there some minimum requirements that within the alternative lending industry that a, a company has to be able to meet in order to qualify for alternative funding? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it does vary by lender. Uh, some like businesses to be, um, companies to be active for at least a year. Others will go down to as little as three months. Um, these are uncollateralized loans. Uh, so uh, as far as looking at ratios and cash flows, uh, we, we do like to see good cash flow on the bank statements. Um, but other than time in business, um, again, minimum of three months, um, that's pretty much the only requirement. Um, and the other thing that most of them will, will not work with are pure, pure startups. And uh, I'm going to go to Kevin and Chris for the same question because you guys work in a very out-of-the-box kind of funding and just wanted to see what typically what size companies you guys work with, and then also what are kind of the minimum requirements that a company would have to even have before they would they would qualify? We really work with all, all sizes of companies. Uh, we have hundreds of opportunities in our portfolio, and they range from anywhere from about $9,000 to a couple hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, w when, when you're asking what size companies we typically work for, that is a very a very large chasm that we have to fill, and you know we don't play favorites. We like we like all types. You know, nine thousand dollars is great. A couple hundred thousand dollars is great as well, but um, but definitely we do have a a large portfolio, and we can service the needs of anyone who would like to be become an op an entrepreneur. Yes. The beauty of our business is we're like liaisons, so no matter what the scenario is, uh, we can pass it around if they get a no on uh, one opportunity. There's so many sources available and in individuals, just like we're talking about today, we can pass it around. So we, we don't try to point anybody in any particular direction. Uh, we try to give them a portfolio of options to choose from, both from our portfolio of businesses to work with, but also from a financial perspective. Okay. Thank you. And... Um Thomas, I want to talk a little bit more from you on the uh, government guaranteed, because obviously there you have a lot of 
requirements to, in order to qualify for, for that. So, um, and I know there's a lot of different programs, so I'm not going to put you on the spot. Uh, but what, you know, typical requirements or minimum requirements that somebody has to look at when they're considering getting a government guaranteed loan? No, it's a great question. Um, Size-wise, it, it really depends on industry and what the type is. You know, SBA and USDA loans work with startups all the way through existing businesses. Um, and I'd say the primary driver for eligibility is what are you using the funds for? Um, what is What are you trying to accomplish with this loan? Uh, and how is that going to benefit the business in the surrounding area? Um, the requirements really are cash flow. Um, we want to be able to see either on a historical basis that the business can cash flow the loan payment. Um, and if it can't immediately, in the case of a startup, then when will it cash flow? Uh, if we don't have historical financials to support that in the case of a startup or a newer business, then we look at projections. So give us a, uh, a reason to say yes. Show me projections that say, okay, with this loan, you're going to be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z, and that's going to increase your revenues and increase your ability to kind of cash flow this loan payment. So it's truly a cash flow driven process. Um, but loans range from, you know, small loans all the way up to about $10 million in projects. So it's, it's a very wide range in loan size and, and size really kind of depends on the business need uh, and, and what industry that business is participating in. And what will be the most common or the most utilized guaranteed government guaranteed lending program? That's a, that's a tough statistic. I don't have that statistic handy. I know the most commonly used uh, in my experience are either the SBA 7A loan program, um, the SBA 504 loan program, which is designed to help individuals acquire fixed assets such as equipment or real estate or improvements to those, uh, or a USDA business loan. Um, those really kind of fall uh, into the probably the top three programs that, uh, that are utilized, in my opinion. Great. Um, the next question wanted to just get a little bit more into um, when we're talking with businesses, because all of us talk with businesses and business owners, um, obviously they have a lot of questions and concerns and they go into, you know, what's the best one for me? What should I be doing? Uh, and I just wanted to get your opinions on um, what, what that looks like for you when you're talking with a client and they say, well, I, you know, this is my business and I need, or I think I need X amount of money to you know, keep it going, get it started and expand. Um, what does that conversation typically look like for you? In terms of, I, I always kind of ask the question, what's most important from a structure standpoint, right? So, you know, borrowers have different perceptions as to what is it? Is it rate? Is it term? Is it going to be cash flow? Is it monthly payment? Is it collateral? You know, these are all important kind of decisions on how you structure these types of loans. Um, and, and so, you know, when you look at what a business's request is, uh, I really kind of put it back into what are your primary drivers? What is most important to you, you know? what is that number one thing that's going to get your business to be successful? Uh, and, and typically in, in my world, it's, it's lowest payment to increase monthly cash flow. If I'm allowed, if I'm able to help a business acquire debt or restructure their debt so that they can have more of their own cash to then invest back in their company and drive revenues, then that's a successful project in my mind. What are the typical terms that from a traditional lending standpoint, do you usually work with? The, the SBA um, 
kind of really in the USDA dictate what those maximum terms are. Um, you know, for working capital and equipment, there's some maximum terms such as seven or 10 years with real estate, uh, 20 or 25 years, or, or if that's involved or if that's a majority of the project, you can kind of go out to those terms. Um, the, the big pieces are with the SBA and the USDA loan, there are no balloon payments. So, you know, when you do an SBA 7A loan, you never have to refinance it. You're not required, uh, which is which is a big piece to some some business owners. Thank you. This is very helpful, informative. I'm sure a lot of people have that that question in their mind, and they're just not sure. And I'm gonna ask Tom the same thing. Um, kind of what traditionally, um, or I guess alternatively, in your case, mm-hmm. uh, the, do your deals typically look like, and uh, you know, from a terms perspective as well. Well, like Thomas, uh, a lot of it does depend on the business and their personal credit. Um, however, our our terms, as I mentioned earlier, we don't try to pretend we're trying to replace traditional lenders. Uh, every customer I meet with, I ask them right up, right up front, have you met with either the SBA or a traditional lender? Um, oftentimes, it's it's yes, and they have been uh, declined, or they. They just don't believe, based on their own situation, that they would qualify for a bank loan. So as Kevin and Chris said, uh, whether it's an angel investor, a VC, or equity, um, just like the alternative lending space, um, these investors are are taking a risk. And this is is investor money. This is not um, using funds from depositors to to loan. Um, these, These folks, be it funds or hedge funds, uh, they expect a rate of return for their investment. And uh, the returns, depending on the industry and the business, can be, can be in some people's eyes, fairly steep. Uh, the terms generally, depending on the business, three months up to 18 months. And uh, I, I think uh, actually one of my banking friends uh, gave me this line, and, and it was, um, we are known as uh, expensive loans. Um, but he said when, when the choice is a so-called expensive loan to either help manage cash flow or invest in the growth of your business or do nothing at all, then to me the choice is obvious. Um, and then he added, unless, of course, their business is a hobby. So uh, most people I work with, their business is to, to make money and provide a living for their, for their family. And um, so again, depends on the, the business and credit, but uh, generally generally terms, I, I can't compete with my friend Thomas over here. Well, thank you, Tom. And that was, again, was Tom Burgett, Vice President of Rosemont Capital Solutions. And uh, with us, we also have uh, Thomas Rockwood from Brand Bank on their uh, Government Guaranteed Lending Division, and Chris and Kevin Williams from Executive Advantage, Inc. Um, now, Chris and Kevin, uh, from your standpoint, obviously your deals are going to look very much so different from company to company. Uh, but on typically or traditionally, what kind of deals do you guys structure? What do those terms look like? Well, let's talk about one of our most popular, and that's the hybrid uh, equity investment program. And typically what that is is a startup company looking to get that C-level talent uh, on board and really get some cash infused into the business. And what happens is through that process, 
is that they give up an equity stake in the company um, to the investors, and the C-level talent comes on board with them. And we found that to be very effective uh, in watching the process of a company really launch from being nothing to getting the right talent on board and also getting that cash infusion that they need to really take them to the next level. And in terms of um, with equity, obviously the difference being is that you give a portion of your company and you don't have to pay it back. Then that's a lot of people are attracted to that, obviously, because they don't have to pay the money back. Um, but there's also when you talk about hybrid equity or when you're talking about convertible debt and things like that, you will have some sort of repayment. So from an investment standpoint, um, for the deals that you structure, what would that pay payment back, or what would the what's the investor looking to get out of it? Well, the investor is going to come first of all with a guarantee of a six-figure income for a guaranteed of two years. So he's guaranteed that uh, right off the start, and of course that could be uh, negotiated because again we're just nothing more than liaisons between the companies. So once we put the individual and the company together, they really negotiate the deal for themselves. They, they determine the equity stake in the company. They determine all the different parameters around the actual deal that's done between the executive and the startup company. And what kind of, when you say C-level talent, what kind of um, executives are you referring to? And then also, what usually when that executive comes on board to the company, obviously they're coming on board as an employee as well, mm -hmm. or as an executive. So what does that look like for a company that's that's gonna be hiring this executive that's bringing in capital, but as well as talent? So here, here's the process is that, depending on the needs of the company, right, there might be established uh, CEO that also had the great idea, but he knows nothing about marketing whatsoever. So his need might be for uh, a CMO, a chief marketing officer, to come into the company to really take them and launch them. And, uh, you know, we live in a different age today than we've ever lived in before. It's more than running an ad on a, in a Sunday newspaper, right? And uh, so you might need that, that talent that really knows how to get out and, and do the new marketing as you, as you see in today's world. Uh, it might be that uh, the company is now growing to the level where it needs a chief information officer. So it really depends on the needs of the company. And if the company's brand new and there's nothing, then you might want to bring in all that C-level talent. So it might be a chief marketing officer, it might be you know, a COO. Um, so it's open to the company and the needs of that company as to what they're looking for. Well, thank you, Kevin. And the another aspect of that that I want to get into with um, everybody here today is in terms of time frame. A lot of people um, ask, I get asked that a lot because a lot of times they think that they can go out and get investment or they can get a loan in a week. And sometimes that is the case. Uh, but typical time frame for the, the deals that you put together, what that back and forth with the investor, what does what is that stretch of time and what does that process look like? Well, obviously, that's varied uh, depending on the needs that are being requested. So if you have a medical company that's looking for somebody who's done medical for the last 20 years and they have to live in Boca Raton, Florida, and, you know, the more parameters you put around it, the longer it takes to find that individual. Um, what we found with a lot of startup companies are very flexible in that and that they do um, will allow the individual to stay where they are. So the... Uh, the more parameters, the longer the approach to find the correct individual. And then after we put them together, 
then those, you know, the company and the individual have to see if they can work together and, and those kind of things. If it's a perfect match uh, right off the bat, these things happen really, really quick because, first of all, the individual has the money uh, because they would not be at the table, first of all. And if it's a perfect match between the two individuals, it can happen really quick. Now, obviously, uh, we've done put together a couple of deals, and um, I wanted to also – I know there's a time frame for uh, putting together that deal from the point of um, once the person decides that they want to work with you to getting them acclimated to your company. What's – that time frame typically uh as far as after the fact after they're in engaged in the company is that what you're referring previously to? Well, so, somebody new coming to your company how long does it take your company to get them to get their idea and get their they're saying you know we need a cmo and we need them to do this for our company the, the process is fairly simple and again it goes back to how many different parameters you put around the search uh, but we have thousands upon thousands of uh, people in our database, so we try to uh, pare it down. We will not point any individual in a particular direction. We will give them one option along with several others to choose from, and we ask them to really go start doing the review of the company at a 30,000-foot view and to come back to us and say, you know, out of what you've presented, Kevin, I like three or four. Uh, I want to look at those, and we say, here, take a deeper dive. And then once they come back, uh, we, we actually put them in contact with the company. And that's when they go into the very particular details of what they are negotiating. And we are liaisons on the outskirts of that, just making sure that everybody's on the same page and all the things are being communicated correctly. Thank you. Um, going back to Tom, obviously, alternative lending speeds of financing is one of the benefits that we talked about earlier. What weeks-wise, months-wise, typically from start to finish, what would that time frame look like for you? Can we go to days-wise? Um, days-wise? <laughs> yeah, sure. Alternative lending is um, they have uh, become extremely technology-driven. Um, you know, within the, within the last year, there's been two billion-dollar IPOs in the industry with OnDeck and Lending Club. And these companies have uh, very sophisticated algorithms that can give somebody uh, an approval in minutes, um, much like people would do if they apply for a credit card. Um, fill out an application online, and you can get an approval in minutes. And with many of these uh, lenders, you can, from the time of application to money in your bank account, it can be a matter of days. Thank you, and um, I'm going to go to Thomas last because we, we were discussing this previous to the show, and obviously with working with the government, they're not known to be the fastest organization out there. Uh, so we wanted to talk a little bit more about approval times and then also about closing times. Yeah, the the number one driver is to how quickly can I get approved, right? Or get a credit decision from the bank. It, it really is a driver of, you know, when do we have a complete package, right? So we have regulations on what we need to look at and, and kind of and once we have a complete package, I think that can get underwritten and evaluated pretty quickly. Um, 
so that's really a function of whatever bank you're talking to. What's their process to to the speed of getting a decision to say yes, we're interested. Yes, we'll move forward. Or no, this doesn't really fit our our, our appetite or a box, or it's not eligible. Um, once it's approved. You know, getting the SBA or the USDA approval, um, they're really kind of on the SBA side. If you're a preferred lender, you can act on behalf of the SBA, so you can you can get that approval um, pretty quickly. If you're a GP lender, general program, then then you're going to have to submit that directly to the SBA. So, you know, approval. Um, it's all about the banker really setting the expectation up front for their bank and what their process is. Uh, in general, I would say if you're applying for an SBA loan, in order to get the funds to close, um, if real estate's involved, there's appraisals, there's environmental surveys that need to be done. Those all need to come back and, and have a, a satisfactory review before you can close a loan. Um, I'm always hesitant uh, to, to really say, in, in very, you know, to be a direct answer, I'd say 45, 60 days is the right expectation to really get a loan closed and funded. Uh, when you have real estate involved. Uh, if there's no appraisals, no environmentals needed, it can be much quicker. But but you're still looking at um, the, the primary driver, in my opinion, is really responsiveness to any questions or getting the documents necessary that the bank needs to review. Thank you, Thomas. And the last uh, question that I have for, for you guys, and uh, just wanted to go through each of the funding sources and are there any misconceptions that you deal with uh, typically that somebody's coming to you that wants to do a deal or that they've heard about so a little bit about what you do or they they might have heard alternative lending and they don't know what that is? Um, what typical you know myth busting, I guess? <laughs> throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far the biggest hesitation we always have is you know everybody has some general knowledge of a bank rate. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're we're not bankers. We we use investors money. Um, they're expecting a return. The we're typically working with small business owners that cannot get a bank loan, so the risk is is higher and and the losses are higher. In that respect, the the payback is a lot faster. So uh, you can get your money faster. Uh, and with that, though, it, it's costlier. So people get a little bit of sticker shock at first. Um, but my question to them and, and that I like them to answer is if the value to them and their business, either in the short term or the long term, is worth more than the cost of borrowing the money, then why wouldn't you do it? Everybody wants money cheaper. Uh, but it's all wherever you get the money, it's going to cost. And um, so I would say, Vlad, that the general item that we battle up front is the initial sticker shock. And go back to Thomas. Yeah, the um, I'd say the the upfront things that I always try to really talk about is personal guarantees. You know, on government guaranteed loans, there's a personal guarantee from any business owner that owns 20% or more of the business. Um, those are that's kind of a piece there. Um, in some cases where we're at a collateral shortfall, we are required by the, the regulation to really go after and at least get a dollar for dollar collateral if it's available. And so, you know, working with um, the, the, the guarantors or the owners of the company to say, okay, here's the collateral pool that you have, here's what is required. And having those conversations, it's always important to kind of say, okay, here's the expectation up front. Here's what we're talking about. 
um, here's the moving parts on, on what it would look like if you borrowed funds that are guaranteed by a federal program. Thank you. And uh, we're going to go back to Chris and Kevin and uh, what typical myth busting do you have to do up front with customers and with, with equity? There's always a lot. I know from dealing with clients personally. Um, one of the key things that we have to deal with is that um, that when we, we're talking about a hybrid model, uh, there, there's a myth out there that my, my resume can overwhelm their, the need for the cash and that they're just going to take a look at me and be so in love that they're going to say, forget the investment. And that's not how it works. They're looking for you know both the talent and the treasure. I mean, that's, they need both to survive. And that's the beauty of our system is that we can provide both from from that from that standpoint. Um, so the the key thing that we have to really impress upon people is you have to have the money. If you don't have the money, you're wasting everyone's time. And you know you, you would think that that would be a, a fairly elementary concept, but really you have to make sure you articulate that to every client every time and in every situation when you're looking at a a hybrid opportunity. It's not just about your talent, which I'm sure is awesome, but you actually have to have the investment level in order to ob- obtain the, the percentage of that equity in, in the company. And this is from, a, from the investor's right. point of view. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, and I'd like to thank everybody today, Tom Burgett, Kevin Williams, Chris Williams, and Thomas Rockwood for both their time and their expertise. Um, That wraps up our show uh, today, Strategic Insights Radio. For more information about these experts, their funding sources, their biographies, links to their companies, uh, you can visit our website at strategicinsightsradio.com. You can always reach me by sending me a message on the website or calling me directly at 470-238-9097. Again, uh, the website is strategicinsightsradio.com. Thank you again for listening. And remember, you can download a free white paper from strategicinsightsradio.com right after the show.